There's a lot of talk online about how men have gotten weak and have become feminized. And while I appreciate people making content about issues they see, um, what I appreciate even more is when someone figures out why something's happening and really nails the reason for something so that it can be fixed. You know what I mean? Like it's like something, it's one thing just to lament something. And I appreciate that that sometimes will spark a discussion, which leads to somebody who figures things out. But I just think that there's a lot of gratuitous complaining going on. And I think the reason is because it's very complicated. It's very, very complicated. You know what I mean? Is it chemicals and water, food? Is it what we eat? Is it GMOs? Is it the jobs that we do? Is it marriage? Is it relationships? Is it the law? Is it, you know, is it modern society? What are the kind of like, there's so many different possible avenues, right? Why, why do, why are men, why have men changed, right? Um, and, uh, Let's see, my friend just found my glasses. That's awesome. I left my glasses yesterday in a Staples in Boston, and my friend went there and got them. That's so cool. I got to tell him thanks. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Steve. Okay, I owe him a favor. All right, cool. All right, little break there. But, okay, so I think I in this episode, I think I have a very core, important principle here. And it's taken me a while. I think I started to know this back in about 1998. Uh, but as with all deep understandings of the world, it came slowly. Like I, I, It's almost like the way the discoveries happen, okay, is somebody will make something like a post-it note, right? They made the, and then the original purpose of that was to make a very strong glue. And then they failed at that, right? It didn't, it wasn't strong glue. But then they realized that, uh, you know, uh, let's see, let's keep. Let's see, I'll come back. Ooh, nice. Or give, let's see, give to Eric. All right, nice. Um, so yeah. So that's my sunglasses. <laughs> I'm so happy. I actually found these sunglasses on the beach uh, in uh, in Pensacola. But they're awesome. I love these sunglasses, actually. One of the tricks is when there's a big storm comes in at the beach, all the people, because I grew up on the beach, they run away and they leave stuff on the beach and they, they don't come back and get it. People leave towels. They leave. If a big storm comes in, and that's what happened. They Or, or at the end of the summer, everybody will throw everything away, leave it by the garbage can. If you go to the beach, keep in mind, people leave stuff on purpose. The people are just, they just throw things away. It's amazing, actually. And if, you, if you're if you a beach guy, if you like to go to the beach, or even if you go to the beach sometimes, just keep in mind. Keep in mind there's very good stuff for free. Very good stuff. Sometimes, like, awesome T-shirts. You know, like, it's crazy, actually. Very, yeah, some of it's really cool stuff, too. Uh, but anyway, so how, okay. Let me let me try to describe this concept. I think you're gonna definitely you're gonna if you're a Rona Man fan, you're gonna definitely like this episode. So the the way that I reached this idea was like the post-it notes are way that the way that science works. 
is you try to make something, you're trying to figure something out, right? And then in that process, most of the time you don't figure it out, but you figure something else out or you figure something that causes it or you realize that it all didn't matter. You know, that kind of thing, right? You kind of like it, uh, it doesn't necessarily give you, it's like that old song, the Rolling Stones song. You can't always get what you want, but you get what you need, right? That's what curiosity is, okay, in life, okay? And so let me get to the basics here. So how this started, this episode. I was reading, okay, so I did an episode, Curiosity, The Secret to Your Success. And one zero commented that, uh, you know, a lot of my predictions came true. And I was, uh, I responded to him and I started to think about it. And I realized that there's a much deeper, just like the post-it notes, there's a much deeper thing that I've been working on uh, behind that. Because uh, I could say, oh, I'm a great predictor. I'm like a future predictor. But I'm not, because I know I'm not. Like, nobody knows the future. Like, I'm not a future predictor. And, okay, but what, why did that prediction come true? And what, what relation to men being weak? Like, how does this relate? Okay, so I thought about it. Okay, so here's the thing. I, I, I believe that this, this is true. Men in the old days, okay, we know that life was simple, right? Horses, water, fire, you know, for a long time, life was pretty simple. Maybe 100, 2,000, 200,000 years, life was very simple for humans. You know, you eat, you sleep, you make babies, you know what I mean? You, 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 you eat, I mean, so you, you eat different kinds of foods, right? So you had different technologies for those kinds of foods um, and hunting skills and all that, right? And so I think that men obviously had a kind of a confidence about understanding the world. And we know that technology now moves very, very fast. Like tomorrow night in Germany, there could be a, a battery invention, uh, you know, in, in a university or in the UK or in any, you know, who knows in Japan where everything is new tomorrow. Like everything is brand new. Like overnight, not only does battery technology change, but the people that are leading the whole industry and the direction of the industry and the direction of your entire future could change based on one invention, right? So I understand it's, 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 we know, okay, we know that these factors are happening, but I want to talk about how they affect men, how they affect you. And you probably haven't thought about this, but they affect you. And what I, it goes back to confidence, okay? Because in the old days, men had confidence. They knew they, 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 especially as they got older, you know, they knew what was going on. And then as you get older, your children and your grandchildren and other younger people would come to you and ask questions. You know, you were like a wise man, especially if you lived a long time, because people would ask you about history. They would ask you, obviously now they ask Google, they wouldn't come and ask an old man, right? Uh, by and large, most questions can be answered by Google very, very well, right? And technology is so broad now. It's incredibly, I mean, you can say that, you know, guys are doing specific jobs and everything's been compartmentalized and we all work on one small aspect of our technology. And that is true. That is very true. 
But there's much more than that because the amount of technologies, the sheer variety of technologies, and the complexity of those technologies is fucking unreal. Like, it's just unreal. The other day, uh, Nelson and I were eating in this place called my, one of my favorite places in Boston. It's like 10 bucks. You can go Falafel King. It's called Falafel King. It's a chain. I met the family that owns it. It's really great, actually. And I was munching there, and they, the guy was from Lebanon. He was sitting at our table because there was no spaces, right? So we sat down, and uh, he started to talk about his life. And he does production and, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, and he started to talk about uh, one thing that surprised him was that when he helped a Japanese company uh, to make a bags for potato chips, uh, he was totally shocked because the, the bag itself had three different layers. And he described the three different layers, and they were not simple. Like, they were complex. <laughs> like, it was like the bag that you open, you know, and this might even have been several years ago. Who knows what they're doing now? But <clears throat> just a potato chip bag. You think, you know, I guess you would, people would just assume a potato chip bag is like some kind of plastic rolled out or something, you know, or some kind of metal and plastic or paint or whatever, you know. Like, it's like nobody would think like there's going to be in that tiny, thin, thin thing, the bag of chips that sells for like a dollar, 50 cents or whatever, is going to have three layers of incredibly complex technologies and, and that's just one thing, right? So all around you is all these technologies. So I want to say first is that men have given up on understanding the world. They are not looked to as leaders. Nobody asks you questions anymore. They go to Google. And, and there is a sense of, I mean, I can understand why guys give up is what I'm saying. Like it's very understandable because you might study in school. You might be, you might be a physics uh, you know, specialist, professor, whatever, in some sp really, like, even doctors, let's, here's a good example, doctors, right, doctors that are, you know, on the cutting edge, they get their own research institute, they, they, they develop something, as they get older, they really don't know what's going on anymore, like, the, the young guys come in, and the old guys tend to stick with what they know, so they might do an older type of surgery, uh, and there's a new type of surgery that's even better, but they just don't know it, and so they're going to do the old one. That's one of the secrets. One of the dirty secrets of the medical industry is that the old and new technologies, there's just an enormous difference in them. You, you might have a guy who's like a specialist in an old technology, and, and, and there's another you know, guy who just got out of college, and he knows the new one, and you would trust the old guy because he has so much experience, but the truth is that new technology, that new way of doing eye surgery or LASIK or whatever is like so much better that it doesn't even matter that the guy's young. In fact, it's going to come out statistically much safer to go with the young guy than it is with the old guy. So a lot of things that used to make sense, they just don't make sense. And combine that, okay, with the fact that outside of very few places where people are honest, I think Rodeman's channel is one of these places where people are able to say they don't know, they're wrong, they made a mistake, you know, outside of places where men have a real sense of honesty about their own weaknesses, right, and their mistakes, you have a bunch of people basically trying to protect their ass. And you can understand it, right? That's their career. That's their life. That's their ego, right? So you can understand why, you know, even a specialist who 
is now coming, kind of, kind of falling out of favor. Why he's not going to admit it? Because if he does, customers are not going to come to him. Right? He's going to lose money. He won't be able to pay his mortgage. So I can understand all this stuff is very understandable. But it just kills you as a man. It just kills you. All this stuff cumulatively just kills you. Okay, so the thing is this, is that I, okay, how, okay, so let me think, how could I put this, how can I describe this? I have a very broad understanding of the world. I, I have to say, I have a broad understanding. Yesterday, Nelson, we, we were in Connecticut and we, we went shopping at Aldi. And I said, these people shopping here are quite rich, quite wealthy. And Nelson's like, how can you tell? And I said, I was like, I don't really know. Because they didn't have rich cars and they didn't have, I could just tell. I just, I knew this was a, this, these were money, people with money. And he was, he kept kind of pushing me to kind of say why, what was it that, clued me off and I I literally cannot tell him like I have so much experience with people I've met so many people and I've seen so many tiny little things that they do and the way they act and also people tend to trust me so they tell me like you might know a guy you know and you don't really know that he's wealthy right so a lot of things are hidden people don't tell because wealthy people don't like to tell they don't want to really have trouble like they're 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 just trying to keep a low profile and basically enjoy their life right they don't really want a bunch of they've kind of experimented with being more open and they realized it just created problems for them and there was no there was no point in it so they just said okay i'm just going to keep a low profile drive a toyota and all that right so uh you you the access to information isn't even there so you know what i mean like you want to learn that like how do you want to learn how to decipher what type of people you know in sales i had to learn this okay you have to be able to read people it's really hard okay i'm not saying it's easy it's really hard you have to look at a customer and you have to know is this guy a potential customer because they'll all talk the same talk right often right but you have to know as a as a as a, as a especially if you're a top salesman like i was you have to kind of like you have to know more than they think you know where so you don't push in other words if the guy doesn't have money what a really lame salesman will do. He just push, 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 right? A smart salesman's like, that guy is not going to buy. So it's total waste of time. This is not good for me to push this guy, you know, but you maybe talk to him because, you know, he's the only guy there. You know, you might talk to him, be friendly, right? And then he's kind of like, why aren't you pushing? It's like, you know, you're basically like, hey, I realize you're not ready at this point. You're probably at this point. And so, you know, let me know when you're ready. And, you know, and then people are very, very, uh, grateful because they're like, wow, this guy, he actually, you know what I mean? Like there's that sense of he understood me and he cares, right? And then that 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 leads to sales too because uh, it leads to less wasted time and leads to better relationship with people and also leads to introductions and all kinds of things because people sense that you're a man who kind of knows what's going on. And I think another key factor in here is important for you to know is that as you get older, okay, you will start to feel, and most older men feel, like they're no longer relevant, okay, in the world. And I think this is compounded by the fact that technology moves so fast. There's so many different types of technologies, you know, everything from particle physics to nanotechnology. It's just really racing ahead. So this isn't like your fault or a guy's fault, but 
if you take all these ideas together, at the end of the day, I think this is a very, very powerful concept. Okay, so, and very powerful. This is, this is really good shit I'm talking about today. I, I, and, and forgive me for being a little bit slow to kind of put it all together because it is, for me too, it's kind of like difficult to kind of like think of all the ideas. And let me think where I kind of started. Okay, so as a young guy, I looked at the world. I didn't understand the world, of course. I asked questions to people. I read books. I read magazines. I, you know, I tried to, you know, figure things out. And I kind of ran into tons of roadblocks that people wouldn't, you know, they're kind of shy about things. Again, no one likes to admit their mistakes. And that's where the gold is, right? It's understanding what didn't work, what people thought would work, and why they thought it would work, and then how it all fell apart. That's fucking gold right there. Whereas you get people who basically are covering their own ass, right? And just telling you uh, all their successes, right? This doesn't teach you anything because you don't realize how they... That this is why when you write an essay that, that you know, like a, you write a 500-word essay in high school, the teacher will ask you for your notes. And when you take a math test, they're going to ask you to write down how you got to the final answer. Because if they don't know how you got there, they don't even know if you know, if you're just cheating or whatever, or guessing, right? You know, or using some other, you know, who knows, maybe you invented some new simple calculation. You know, it's, 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 it's possible, right? So they, they want to see your logic and mistakes to the goal, right? So that's the hard part about learning this stuff. Not only is it like insane amount of information and there's no one person you can talk to. It can be very, very overwhelming. It can be very, very confusing. And then when you talk to people, like most people are not like me. They're not interested in various things. They, they really, you know, they, 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 they're happy with their little world. But I'm saying right now, I'm saying very seriously, these guys have given up and there are huge fucking implications to this. There's huge implications to their own self-esteem and to their own future. I'm going to recommend in this episode that you try my concept on today like a jacket. Just try it on. Wear it for a while. See how it feels. Okay. So, okay. So how did I get, how did I start in this process, right? I don't really know, but I can tell you a couple things that I remember that were important. One of them obviously was traveling. Traveling was probably the best thing I did in my early twenties because when I, when I started to travel, I, had no idea of the cornucopia, the mass variety of new information I was going to be exposed to. So that was good because it showed me, I guess until then, it was like I was looking at a mountain, you know, you're looking at a mountain and then you think that's the top and then you go up there and there's another top and there's another top and there's another top. And then you get over the mountain and then you look and there's this like huge mountains and towering in the background, right? That was what happened when I started to travel the world. I saw that there was like all these huge mountains that I didn't know. People I didn't know, things I didn't understand. Theoretically, I knew it before. But the emotional punch in the gut that happens when you travel and you realize how little you know and, and how insular your life is, right? And how limited you are as a person. Your ability to travel, your ability to fit in in new places, your ability to get going in new places. You're, you're just trapped, right? You're totally fucking trapped. And this is not society. 
This is not any kind of legal thing. There's no government doing this to you. This is you being very tribal and just staying in one place, right? And when I came over that mountain, I was like, whoa. I was embarrassed, man. I was embarrassed how little I knew. I was embarrassed how sophisticated French people were when I was going around Paris at the time in the 80s. We're talking about 1986, maybe. I was just, no, no, 87 probably, 87. I just was blown away with how much money they had at the time and sophistication. I just felt so small. And I, and I saw that the clothes they wore were so sophisticated at the time. And the way they, car- they, they, they carried themselves and the way the, you know, of course, science in some, many, many parts of science started in France, like the first human flight started in France, right? That was in a hot air balloon. Like there was, a, France is no joke. Like that was a major driver for, I mean, liberty came from France, right? All these concepts, a lot of the concepts, a lot of the technologies started in countries like France. And I realized it when I got there, because until then, I just heard the typical, at the time, everybody was always like, oh, French are like surrender monkeys or some bullshit. And it was like, they would just talk about the war. By the way, there was a very good reason why they surrendered. They didn't want Paris to get destroyed. And it could be argued they made the right decision, actually. Uh, so there's, there's, a, there's a big argument. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a fan of France. But, <clears throat> okay, so let's go back to, let's go back to uh, what I learned. So traveling was one thing. Next, my biggest probably thing where I was fucking forced, you know, to really understand an incredible, like, array of industries and people's motivations was headhunting. Well, no, 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 no. Back to sales. Sales was really important. Each time I walked up to somebody to sell a stereo when I was, when I was in straight commission in college, I was blown away. Because people were so fucking different. Each person was so different. Their trust in me as a salesman was different. Their understanding of technology was different. Their, uh, like, how much they would uh, tell you was different. Their experience with things. And I, again, I was, just like the French, I was blown away by how sophisticated the clients were. Because I realized right away that I, because I was an audiophile. Like, I was into audio big time. That's why I got a job in stereos. Like I was no joke. Like I had spent, I spent $750 on a pair of speakers when I was in junior high school. Like that's a lot of money back then. You know, like you're talking about 1977 here. And for a junior high school kid, I had saved the money and I had bought them. And uh, long story, I ended up returning them because they, they just didn't, they didn't perform my amp. I didn't understand audio yet. But uh, I was, I was like investing that kind of money in audio. So I was really reading every fucking audio book I could uh, audio message, I mean, audio, uh, what was it back then? I can't remember, I think it was called The Absolute Sound. It was a, uh, was a, was a magazine you could buy. And it, it was like, it still exists. It was very reliable. The Absolute Sound is a fucking great, great magazine. Still today, I checked it out a couple of years ago. It's still good. Uh, and they are just, they understand everything. I used to read that all the time. So when, and I had a car stereo, I had like a home stereo, I, I had done so many things, but when I got to the audio store, I realized I didn't know shit because my parents had, were, you know, they didn't have money, right? So they, we never had a VCR. Everybody had a VCR back then. I didn't even know what a VCR was. I had never even seen a CD player when I got that job in 19, let's see, that was 1984. 
1984, I got the job in the stereo store. And I had never had, a, I didn't even know what a CD player was. I was blown away. Like it was digital and it wasn't, there was no needle. And I couldn't believe it. I was like totally shocked. I'd never had a, a, a camcorder, you know. So I couldn't sell these things. The store wouldn't let me go to those areas. I was the only salesman. They wouldn't, they literally, I'm serious. They would not let me into the other parts of the store. The manager, and I think he was quite wise here. He said, look, he said, he said look, you know, he didn't call me Rona. But I was saying, look, Rona, you don't know shit about these areas. You can't sell them yet. You have to sell what you know. You know home stereo, you know car stereo, and you know cables. So you can sell that. And I did good. I sold. I, I was like, I ended up being number one. Uh, and and, and for, for the time, the hours I worked at the store, I was number one in the chain, the whole chain of 44 stores. And so they said, okay, well, they started to teach me about video. And I, I kind of earned my way into those areas. And then I learned about them and I realized I didn't even know, like I didn't even, like I, I had gone to stereo stores for years, but I kind of selectively ignored areas of the store that I totally didn't have any clue what was going on in there. And then when I was forced to learn those, I was also forced to realize how much other people knew and get a real humility because a lot of the clients, they know a lot. So I had to listen to them. I had to listen to their problems, try to solve their problems, try to figure out what was wrong or what they were trying to achieve, what was the best way to do that. Go back to the manager, ask him questions, you know, be humble, right? And, and that was the first time where I was really, I was forced to, it was like MMA, you know. I, I, I had one style of fighting that worked. But I didn't know there was a million other, fun, you know, some guy could just come in and just blow me away with, you know, a kick to the head and I'll be gone, right? I didn't know defense. I didn't even know that a kick existed. And then here it comes just crushing in my skull, right? So that was what it was like. So, so then, okay, so then after that, after that uh, experience with people and technologies, then I moved, and of course in college I, I was forced to learn new things, but the stereo store was really more important for me. I, I learned way more in the stereo store than I did at college. I mean, point blank now. Now I'm older, I can look back. Not that college was a waste of time, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying like, the stereo store taught me so much. And that's partly because of me. I was willing, I was an open student. I was a, I was a sponge, right? I was gonna fucking learn. You know, I wasn't worried about how much I got paid. I was like, I wanna fucking be great. Like I wanna fucking do shit, you know? And so, Anyway, so then I traveled, right? Started going around the world. Then that opened me up. And then the big thing, which I kind of feel bad for, for, for young guys today, because I realized that pretty much nobody's going to have the experience I had with headhunting. Because headhunting was a kind of a new, it was a new, uh, what do you call it? Profession, especially in Japan uh, at the time. And because it was a new profession, and I was on the cutting edge because I, joined a company, I joined a very, you know, like, there was like two companies that were leading the way. I joined the second one, right? And that, that just by association with that, with those companies, I, I kind of got propelled right into the, like the spear of a new industry, which was very exciting. No Japanese head on it at that time. It was all foreigners and uh, Japanese considered changing jobs to be treason, basically. And so they wouldn't want to be a head owner because that was like the biggest scumbag in the world is taking one guy from one company where he was committed. It's almost like taking someone out of a marriage or out of a, a, an arranged marriage or something in, in traditional India or something. You know what I mean? It was like you were really breaking all the rules. Whereas for foreigners, uh, 
I think this was misunderstood at the time, but we grew up in area in, in countries where, you know, people would switch jobs. If you, if you got a better opportunity with somebody else, that was just totally standard process, you know, and it was up to the other company to make you an offer that kept you there. And this has become, you know, this is this is accepted in Japan more and more today, but it's taken a long time. But at the time, man, no fucking way. So the Japanese, it wasn't that they couldn't do headhunting. It's just they wouldn't. They just, it was below them. And like the, it was scum. Like, basically, they considered headhunters scum. And they, or they didn't understand that. Very few people thought we were scum because most people didn't even know what we were doing, you know. But uh, slowly over time, uh, I think, obviously, not only did Japanese society change, but the workers started demanding more. You know, because at the time... You know, the guy who rented the Blu-ray DVD, you know, the blue, the blue laser, you know, there's a, you can read about it. He's teaching a university in, in California now because he was never paid. Like, Japanese would never, if they work for a company, they, the, you, might, you might know this already, but the patent would go to the company automatically and they wouldn't even be rewarded. Japanese salesmen didn't even have a commission system back then. There was no commission. It was like you would sell uh, $100 a year or you'd sell like a, a $100 million project to like all Japanese banks, same. There was no commission. And the Japanese accepted. It was crazy. To foreigners, we just did not understand. We're like, these superstars need to be rewarded. Like, this is crazy, you know. And then we, we did that, right? But anyway, so through that job, so you can see the unique opportunity that was there because Japanese are very fucking smart. And they're very, very, they're, they're tough competition, okay? Japan it's almost like there's no air to breathe in Tokyo. Every little millimeter has been calculated. And there's like so many smart people just working on so many things. And, and don't mistake this with the economy, okay? There are huge blind spots in Japanese economy and Japanese people. But if you ever go there, and I have, okay, started several businesses in Japan, you will quickly realize how incredibly smart and how, how much they thought about every fucking like possible possibility, whether you're starting a restaurant or whatever. They have a deep understanding of the market. And the average Japanese guy, if you just ask him questions, say Tokyo guy, you know, most guys are pretty humble, right, in Japan. But if you ask them, like, what, why is it, you know, that, you know, this company failed in Japan? And they'll say, oh, this dumb reason. And then you have to push past that because they're just kind of giving you like a basic thing. And then you say, well, if that's true, then why this? Like, you know, in a nice way. And then they realize, at some point, if you keep pushing, they're going to realize, oh, this guy actually really wants to know the answer. And then he'll just go into like incredibly complex, you know, you know, minutia level understanding of business and Japan and consumer preferences and, you know, all payment types. And, you know, you're, this is an average guy. It's like not even some specialist, right? The Japanese have an incredible, I have great respect for the amount of knowledge uh, Japanese people have, and I men, men and women, women too. You, it will blow you away how much the average Japanese chick knows about stuff. Like, especially if you go, I haven't, I haven't lived in Japan now for about fifteen years or something like that. So, I'm gonna say, so let's say somebody who's like say forty five. Anybody about that age, I can say I can speak for anybody who's forty five and older. Younger, I'm not sure, but it's probably not that different. Probably, but I just want to say so you can kind of gauge what I'm talking about. I'm talking about what I know. Things I don't know, I don't know. Things do change, right? So it's possible. I have heard a couple of rumblings in Japan. Uh, but by and large, I was blown away. And 
So I had to, when I was headhunting, okay, so I had this unique opportunity. It was the beginning of an industry. And the key thing, here's the key thing about headhunting, okay? This is going to be all about headhunting, but this is going to give you some gems here, gems. Is that, okay, so what you do, just kind of so you can understand it, is, okay, let's say that a real headhunting, I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about like a, a placement company. I'm talking about real executive search here. Okay, so what it is, is a company will have an opportunity that is so far out of the possibilities for their employees to do that they need to bring in somebody else who can help them to lead them in this new industry or this new division or way of doing business or new technology or whatever the hell, okay? So, okay, so for example, like, let's say a company like Microsoft, okay? They will have a new division. They will be, well, they won't have it. It'll be secret, right? So they will say, okay, we have it. They're planning, secretly planning a new a new division, okay? This is a real story, but I can't say the details. Because when, you, when you're a good head and when you're a top head you have to sign NDAs like crazy. And I will never break those because the uh, Microsoft was a very good client for me. And they were so good to me, I got to tell you. When I was like the most down, Microsoft in Japan was so good to me because of one guy. And I won't say who it was, but there was one guy and he was just awesome. Mormon guy, such a fucking nice guy. Uh, good person, good person, and smart too. He was right to bet on this horse. Betting on the Ronin horse was smart for his company, and he was just very kind because he didn't really realize what he was going to benefit. And I had never seen a client that was so, I guess, wise and kind. You know, he was a combination. But anyway, so Microsoft has a division. They're creating a new division. They're planning a new division. But it's totally new, okay? And so new for the company. Uh, now, this division ended up failing, by the way, so you can't guess what this was. Uh, but this is what happens in business. You try things, right? So 9 out of 10 businesses fail. Same thing with big businesses. 9 out of 10 branches of a tree are going to fall off or whatever. You know, they're not going to succeed, right? And so this is one of those ones that didn't succeed. And it's actually, in itself, is a very interesting story, which I there's no time for that today. So they had a new division they were planning. And the guy called me. He said, look. We got something, uh, but it's secret. So come into the company. So I came in. They had me sign all these NDAs. And I thought it was over the top. Because one of the reasons why companies would hire me as headhunters is because I don't break people's confidence. And that's why people tell me secrets. Because I, 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 I'm not a malicious person. Okay? I'm not a spy. I'm not the perfect secret keeper. But I care. But I think that's a big, that's a big factor. Is one, I know... I know enough about what would be embarrassing or what they wouldn't want to let known. I mean, this is on a personal scale. And I also care about the people enough to not break that confidence. And I also see more long-term how people relations are so important. And I love a lot of stuff. But anyway, that creates trust. Trust. Companies that trust you, they will tell you secrets. Okay. So they called me and they said, look, we have this new division. And we want you to get the, the head of this new, uh, uh, I forgot what it was called, uh, in, in, in Microsoft. But anyway, it was like a big thing. It was like one of the top executives in uh, Microsoft, right? Reporting directly to Bill Gates, uh, Paul Allen at the time, right? And so I was like, whoa, this is pretty cool, you know? 
And I realized, oh, oh, no wonder they made me sign all these things. So anyway, they said, we got a new division. And they said, but the thing is, is nobody in our company can do this, knows this type of business. This is a consumer business. And it's a hardware business. And it's like, this. no, we don't have anybody who can fill this role. And I said, well, who can fill this role? And they said, we don't know, to be honest. Because the people that do this business is, essentially, imagine this. You have a very big corporation, okay? And they want to do a new business, okay? Let's say, what would be an example? Like baked cookies, let's for example. They want to bake cookies. And at the time, there's no like big bakeries. So there's just women in their houses baking cookies. And then I'm trying to find somebody who can not only bake the best cookies, but they will fit in, in, a, in one of the largest corporations in the world. They will be able to handle, uh, basically they, they can handle um, the accounting, the, uh, the, the, the responsibility for the finances at top corporate level. And they understand marketing and they can work with the other teams at Microsoft and they understand being a manager at Microsoft is very different than being a manager at a small company. The skills are different. The things you need to do are different, incredibly different. And, and so they needed somebody who they had this small, they had to like bake cookies on, on a pan thing in their house. But for some reason, this very difficult to find person also has massive, um, what do you call it, uh, corporate, top elite corporate level ability to lead global teams and in both hardware and software and are responsible with money and, and understanding like, you know, well, when it gets to corporate level of finance, it's so complex. It's fucking, you got different aspects. It's the CFO, I introduced the CFO too, to many large corporations. And I learned that there's like treasury and there's like, there's, there, it's like treasuries where you're raising money for the corporation essentially, which is very different than the other side of the accounting kind of aspect, the bean counting side of the business, right? And so, but to be, to be a leader, to be a, to be a top corporate leader of a new division, you, you need to know where the industry is going from the ground level. And you also need to know how to fit into a seamlessly to a, a large corporation, which has much more resources than you're used to. And the, and you can like start to plan bigger and bigger things and, and really roll out something very, to me, it's very cool. Like that, that was an incredible job. So anyway, so this is why head and ears matter because they need somebody who one, they can trust, Two, they need to be able to understand all the complex things I'm talking about. Because stupid people basically would just go to their competitors and just get some other guy from a small company and then just say, well, he can fit in. He can learn corporate stuff. It's like, no, he can't. He, he, you cannot gamble a new business at one of the world's largest corporations on a guy maybe being able to learn how to work into a corporation because... Most non-corporate guys, they don't fit into corporations. It's a totally different thing. It's more of a politically correct thing. Um, and there's aspects of corporations that people deride. But there's also very cool aspects of corporations, too, that I know. I, I was not a big corporate guy. Like, I don't never worked at a big corporation. 
I didn't even understand them, right? But now, after working with all these companies as a head owner, I, I have great respect for these top corporations. I think that in corporations, there's a lot of drones, but there's some very, very wise people too uh, at the top of corporations. Um, and I can't believe how they're demonized today. It's just ridiculous. It's so ridiculous. It's, these people are smart and wise, and they're they, they're bruised, and they work seven days a week. And these top executives are just always flying, always, and they're 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 able to control the words they use, the the vocabulary they use, the way they they know how to present. They understand difficulty. They understand uh, funding. They understand people. They understand transportation systems and and infrastructure and uh, investments and how those play out over time and minerals and you know basic things that you need to start the manufacturing. I mean, it's incredible what these guys know. I don't diss these top corporate guys. Some of these top corporate guys, and I'm not saying all of them. A lot of them are just biding time. They got jobs because of some kind of quota or whatever. You know, they, they just somehow got lucky, got into a... Things happen, right? Things, companies get taken over and then another guy's in there and he just gets the job. <clears throat> Things do happen, but at the same time, just, just if there's one little gem here, is there's some corporate guys that blow my mind. They're very... They, they, they started a totally different way than I did, but they reached what I think is like the goal. They reached the same goal. It's incredible. Like you could... When some guy comes from Rio de Janeiro on the, on the streets of, you know kicking around a rock and he ends up being like the top striker in uh, the premier league you know it's like that's the same thing you where we come from doesn't really matter it's where we get to and what i'm saying is corporations have people who reach the 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 most elite level of what i'm talking about of understanding of the world it's incredible and i love i fucking love that i love meeting those guys you often meet them in the gym at like five in the morning you know like on a business trip those are the kind of guys, right? And, and, and sometimes women, too. Sometimes women. There's very, there's, I've met women executives that blow my mind. I'm just like, no way. How did you, kind of like, kind of like the guy in, 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 in Rio de Janeiro, how did you come up to this level of fucking maturity and understanding? It's like, it's like whoa, you know? And <clears throat> again, respect, man, respect. I don't care. I don't care what you started with. It's where do you get to? Where do you... Where do you go to? You might have got a job through some easy way, but did you rise to the challenge, right? Did you become one of those elite people? Okay, so anyway, that was kind of a, uh, a branch on the idea because I, meet, I met these people and I respected these people. If you, don't, if you don't respect the people that you're trying to be like, okay, this is one of the dumbest things people do. They want to be successful, but they hate rich people, right? This is like, it's like you want to be the great surfer, right? You want to be number one, but you hate corp guys who compete because you don't think people should compete because surfing should be free. And then you're like, but I want to be number one. It's like, you got to go back to the basics. Like, <laughs> Be honest with yourself. What do you fucking want? Like, where are you trying to get there? You have to become, and I've said this many times, in many ways, you have to become the person you hate to become the person you want to be. And there's a it's, a, it's a step. It's a process. You need to gain that information from that step in order to reach the next level. And that's why I don't tell everybody to quit their jobs. I don't tell everybody to, to start their own company. Because I realize that it depends on what your goal is. 
working for a company like Microsoft could be fantastic, even for 30 years, is a, could be a fantastic way to become an entrepreneur. Because when you get out of there, you have such a knowledge of what's going on. You just spend your time thinking and thinking and thinking. And then you finally, like, you raise money, you, you get some engineers together, and you just go on some new technology or some new new field, right? And that is like, that is that 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 is a way. It is a, it is a way to the top, right? To or to where you want to get, wherever the fuck you want to get, right? Whatever that is, right? Okay, so the complexities of this kind of stuff blew my mind, and I learned a lot from this too. But more than that, that was client management, basically understanding the client, because you have to understand the client. Very important. Understand the job, understand the client, what's next, the person, right? Now, here's where it was more like the stereo store. Each person that works at a a company, they have motivations that would surprise you. They would very much surprise you. When you start to sell or when you start to be a headhunter, you think, right, logically, people change jobs for money. And you think that you would do that too. It's just something you assume, like... If, if you're working for one company, another company gives you triple salary, you'd be like, I would totally do that, right? Or I would do this. But if you have a goal of something, would you? It's not true. People don't change jobs for money. And by and large, there's always going to be exceptions, but by and large, they don't. And that's one of the first things you learn. Lesson number one is a headhunter, is people don't change jobs for money. People change jobs for a lot of other reasons, but and they're unhappy, they want to reach a new goal, they don't want to work for a company that they see going down the wrong technological path, you know, they see a bad future, you know, uh, or they don't like their boss. There's a lot of reasons. There's a lot of, they, they don't, they, they, um, they're, they're not getting appreciated. There's a lot of reasons, and you have to understand those. And you, the other thing I needed to understand, which was very difficult for me, and here's where I got, here, this is the part of the, episode where I really learned, okay, about what I'm talking about here. Okay, so I had entered it in retail. I had it in finance. I had it entered in uh, software. I had it in hardware. I had it entered in consulting. Uh, let's see what else. Drug companies, medical device companies. Uh... But even with the drug companies, more like it was more like medical device. I did medical. I did medical device presidents. Uh, let's see what else. There, there was just so many. I because it was a new industry, and it was just like, hey, if you can head on it, you can do this. And it was kind of like I would talk to him in the last episode with the Chinese, where everybody just goes and tries stuff and goes for it. And I had an open road in front of me, and all the other headhunters they would choose a niche, like they are a, you know, a headhunter for drug companies. They're head under for finance. They're head under for this. I w- did not choose that. Even though, even though my, I made most of my money doing telecom and consulting, just because that was growing in like 1998, 99, there was a lot of money in that. And then after that, consulting started to become uh, very, very profitable for me. Uh, but I, uh, I deliberately would do searches outside my area because I wanted to understand different industries, right? Not just humans. So, okay, so back to why do people change jobs? What is the mindset? What did I learn? I can't really put it into words. Okay, all I can say is, let me try to describe what I learned. 
one thing I learned is that, I guess the number one thing I learned is that 99 people out of 100 are not elite. This sounds so obvious, but if you have never had it, you don't really understand, especially if you're like, see, for me, I like to look on the good side of things, right? So I'm kind of like, I like to see people as like past capable, right? Or maybe they'll do it in the future, you know, kind of thing, right? But that's not reality when you're headhunting. When you're headhunting, you are paid. We were paid 35% of the guy's annual salary in one payment. And sometimes we got a retainer on top of that because what we were doing was so valuable at the time. And because they would beg us to do it. They would give us all kinds of perks. The good headhunters, the guys who were really good, right? And I was one of those guys. So they would give me perks. They would give me retainers. They would give me searches for top guys. And that could easily be, like one payment could easily be $100,000 because top guys in Japan were making, they weren't making insane salaries, but they're making like say $300,000. And so plus a lot of perks and bonuses and things like that, right? Company presidents, uh, division division managers, things like that. They were making anywhere from, I say the average small Japanese company president was making maybe one $140,000 for a real small company and then moving up uh, to a lot and huge opportunities and global opportunities, right? Um, but we got paid, so we introduced a guy, make a phone call, and then if the guy joined, I got a check for like $130,000 and I had no expenses. My expense was a phone uh, in my house because <laughs> I worked out of my house most of my career. I, I worked in a companies I started in the right companies and I, I worked up and I finally started my own company. So I was working in my house. I had my own phone, which I had anyway. I had a computer, which I had anyway. I had a fiber optic internet connection, which I had anyway. I moved to that building because it was a test building for NTT and in 1999. And it had like a thousand megabytes a second for $17 and 50 cents a month. Think about that. It was, it was supposed to be a hundred. It was promised a hundred, but my building, nobody was using internet yet. And nobody was doing streaming anything or downloading. So I had a thousand, sometimes as much as like, I remember getting, reaching speeds of like 1800. <laughs> I was just like, what the hell? Downloaded, I downloaded a DVD in like seven minutes. Whole DVD, right? Massive amount of data. A DVD, like not just a movie, but like a DVD quality. A full ISO of a DVD. It's like, fuck. It was insane. It was insane. Like I'd set it to do it. I'd go take a shit. I'd come back and the movie would be there. And this is in 1999. It's incredible. Anyway, that's why I moved in that building. But anyway, so back to the thing is, let's see, what was I, what was I saying there? I had no expenses. I had my suits, which I already had. And I started wearing less and less because I, I got to the point where I was so good. And I was well known in the industry that I didn't even need to wear a suit. I wore jeans. And I just, I just discovered that you know, everybody else wore suits. And I realized that I started wearing jeans. One time I wore jeans accidentally to a meeting. Nobody said anything. Because the thing is, they were so desperate for people. And they knew that I was capable. And I think, now looking back, me wearing jeans was an alpha move. Because they were like, holy shit, this guy is so confident that he ain't going to fucking wear a suit. And a lot of Japanese guys would say that wouldn't happen. Trust me. we Our companies were gaishke, right? Foreign companies. And, and well, I had... Japanese companies too, but I, I did head on for Japanese companies actually, uh, maybe 10%, but 90% were Geishkes, and Geishkes, they thought differently at the time, 
And they knew my reputation. So they were like, hey, this guy can find, he can find people for us. Like, who cares? Like, what does it matter? He's wearing a fucking jeans, right? It doesn't matter. And after I wore jeans once, then I started to wear jeans all the time. I pissed off a couple people, but I didn't really need them as clients anyway. So I, I just continued on. I worked out of my house. I very rarely wore a suit. Very rarely. And I just wore what I wanted to wear. I look good in a suit, so I would wear a suit sometimes, you know. I mean, I had suits that fit me, a tailor-made, I would wear one as well. But generally, I, I like jeans, you know. And so I'd wear jeans, and especially with Tokyo weather, jeans are perfect, right? So then I could ride my motorcycle, you know what I mean? Then I, after work, I could go do something else. So I just preferred jeans. It wasn't, a, it wasn't like a middle finger. It was just like, I just realized that this job had nothing to do with wearing a suit. <laughs> so I figured, well, my best clients probably will understand, right? And turn out, turns out they did, you know. And uh, even today, everybody's wearing a fucking suit in Tokyo. Unbelievable. But anyway, so I had very low expenses. So that $100,000, when it came in, those kind of payments, it was just fucking insane, right? Insane profit. Because I basically had no expenses except for my normal expenses that I normally had. So, you know, think about that. And I could do, if I didn't do one guy a month, I was a loser. Like, no way. I had to do one guy a month. I mean, that was like... I did three guys some months. Not not all were that same level. They they were different levels, right? You know, some guys were some guys were low level. There was low level guys. I did you know guys that were making. Uh, I remember I did eight million yen. And that's like eighty thousand dollars, right? So I did all the, all different levels of guys, uh, buyers and things like that. I was I was I did buyers for retail, buyers of fish, buyers of uh, electronics, uh, and, and that that meant Korea at the time, buying from Korea because Korea was cheaper. Secretly, it was kind of the beginning of Korea, the beginning of Samsung. And I got to see that happen, right? So, okay, so let me think. Where, where am I going with this? The, let's go, let me, let me go back to motivation. Okay, so I realized that it wasn't money. And it was, if you think deeply about why you change jobs and why your friends, like if you interview people and really ask them, what was it that really made you change? You're going to be surprised. I don't know if you'll get it from the couple of people you talk to and analyzing yourself, but definitely if you interview, like I did, 3,000 top executives, you start to realize that people kind of in a way, in some ways they don't even work for money. It's strange when you think about it. I didn't believe this in the beginning, but I do believe this now. People work for achievement and reaching goals that they want to reach. And having a lifestyle that they want to have, they work for different reasons. They, it's not just money. It's not just the amount of money, you know. And so I had to understand, here's what the interesting part was, is why, why would, here's why I was a good handler, because I got so deep into people. So a guy who is, let's say, running a, a machine, or a team of like a like a, a production for something, right? Why would that guy want to be promoted? Because once you become the manager of an area, that's it. There's no there's no higher level there. Why would you want to get what would be the motivation for you? Because a lot of guys are happy. I'm the leader of Let's say they're making steel, right? They're making, let's just go simple business. They're making like, uh, you know, the train tracks, right? 
and they're making the rail. And after they become the manager and they make a factory and they, you know, why would a guy want to go beyond that? There's no, there's no, that's it, right? There are reasons that a guy would want to become uh, the president or would want to become uh, in charge of, you know, kind of take over the divisions of sales and marketing because he understands that that influences his business, right? So in other words, the elite people, the one out of the hundred, the one, it's not, it's not one out of a hundred. It's more like one out of, I don't know, maybe the people I was looking for was more like one out of, I would call, I would research maybe 1500 guys. And I'm already looking at elite, a team of elite people to find one guy. So I guess out of the population of Japan, I'm probably looking at one guy out of millions, right? Okay, so I want that one guy, that one guy, and he's just in the right position. He's the right age. He's not too old, you know, because if you're too old, the companies don't want you. The main age that Japanese companies, and I think heading in general, the, the really peak of a man's career is 35. That is, if you're 35, you should know this. This is when you are the most in demand as a man. This is it, 35. After 35, it starts to go down. Now, there are people who will break this mold, no doubt about it. But I'm just talking about the main, go with the numbers. Be more like Vegas and less like a lottery ticket buyer, right? The main, you are at your most valuable at 35, okay, as a man. Because you, you have the old technologies, right? Or the, you have the new technologies because you grew, came up through college recently, not that long ago. And you now have broadened and you've proven yourself. And now you are an elite corporate guy. Okay, but you also have proven that you're able to digest and process new things. And you're not, you understand the younger guys and you can manage them, right? Once you're too old, you can't really manage the programmers because they're not going to, you're not going to understand them and they won't respect you. Because you don't really understand what they're doing. This guy, this this guy at thirty five, he he's right in that sweet spot, where he knows, where the, he understands corporations, he understands his finance, he understands people, he understands divisions, he understands respect and how the the uh, politics of a company work, and the politics of a company. Never underestimate a guy who understands the politics of a company. This is the essential key for a, a real salesman. You have to understand, when I say politics, I'm not talking about uh, what you think politics. I'm thinking about the tribal divisions in a company and how you get them to all agree on something or how that kind of process arises. So a guy at 35 who's proven himself in all these areas and also he knows how to, he's not just a genius, okay, or a smart guy. He also knows how to Soothe the egos of the other people in the company, because inevitably, if you're if you're running a corporation, there's going to be losers, okay, in your company. Back there's going to be three inches backstabbers. There's going to be all these people, and you can't ignore them. In fact, you have to make them happy too. Just like if you're a mayor of a small city, you know you're you're not just a mayor of the elite people, and you're not just a mayor of the poor people. You have to be the mayor of the whole city, right? That's the way the guy is, right? He knows how to. Kind of make sure that everybody kind of gets enough that the balance works, right? So, so uh, 
why would he move companies, right? He would move companies for a lot of complex reasons, but I think one of the two main reasons, one would be he sees a helicopter trajectory, a view of the trajectory of his industry and his company is on the wrong one in his mind. That's the main reason why a guy like this would change jobs. Because you're talking about a very smart guy. If he wanted money, he could have taken the money and left years ago. He could have taken a job that would have taken him down more of a dead-end job, but higher paid years ago. But he chose not to do that. He chose to fight it out, just to continue MMA. He was like MMA every day. He's out there just fighting, always getting better, right? He never gives up. And, and, and so that's the kind of guy who would be extremely distressed if he saw his company choosing the wrong technology because he knows that in the end they're going to totally lose everything and and also by definition his career is also going to start to go down and so that guy is who's not quite elite yet he's just like he's like a tiger who's ready to be elite that's what i was looking for in an industry right and he he has a one of the big motivations is that like i said is he sees another company and then, of course, he has to, you know, rate that company and other things, too, not just the technology. But are they, you know, do they, do they, you know, support people long term? Or they just, is he going to just get used? You know, he's going to go and take all his knowledge and help some foreign firm to, like, take over the Japanese market or, you know, make inroads into a very difficult area, you know, selling to banks or something, selling to government, things that are very difficult to get into in Japan, selling servers to NTT, you know, these are really difficult industries. It was very close back then. Is he going to use his genius, okay, to go with a company that is a technology leader, but they don't, he can't trust them. Long term, they're not going to probably, they're probably just going to take the money running. Because foreign companies, it's all about the quarters. This quarter, money, success. Next quarter's down, you're fucking out of there. And so a Japanese guy who is very elite is going to be very sensitive to how he's going to be treated in the long term. Because he knows that once he does that, he's kind of given it away, you know. And he's at the mercy now of this company. He doesn't. He might have a lot to offer, but it's not as much as before. And also he's a tiny bit older, right? So he knows there's risk. So he wants, he wants to acknowledge that this company is... Not just the guy who's hiring him is promising, because that guy might lose his job, that guy might quit. You know, American companies, like, who knows? Any promise you get from anybody doesn't mean shit, because that guy might be gone. Unless he's Elon Musk, and you know the guy's head of the company for basically forever, you can't trust these promises from American companies. No fucking way. And no smart guy would do that. You have to look at how the corporation respects and treats individuals on a long-term basis, after they've proven themselves, after they've achieved stuff? How do they handle executives who reach plateaus, not due their, to their own incompetence, but due to the market, due to technology uh, uh, limitations, uh, you know, due to things beyond his control? And how much do they like watch with a microscope what that guy is really doing and his real value in the company, right? Because that's what a guy wants, a superstar. He, he'll join another company. He'll even join for less money sometimes 
It does happen. I've seen it. Uh, usually it's more. It's usually a little bit more. Yeah, just for the ego, it has to be a little bit more. But often, it's never big jumps. Never big jumps. But the big jump is in freedom. And it's like he's in a new... <clears throat> he's gone from, you know, he's in hyperspace. Like in the Star Wars thing, where he just goes in hyperspace. All of a sudden, all of his dreams that he wants to do, he can, he's got the money. He's got the team. He's got the technology. You know, he can suddenly start to lay the railroad tracks for all the railways that he's wanted to do. He can go and present to these companies and he can say, look, we are American or whatever French. Most of my clients were foreign, like I said. And he's like, but we understand the Japanese market. We are very serious about the market. We are going to long-term support our products. Here's the way we did it here. Here's the way we did it there. Here's how we operate. Here's how we treat our clients, you know, and we are here, we are going to be, we are going to be the new leader in this industry. And you can trust me and you can trust this company. And we, we have the technology, you already know that, right? After he displays it to them, right? But the, the main thing, the Japanese companies are very conservative. They want to make sure. And by the way, conservative in this case is a sign of intelligence in my, my experience. The Japanese people, they, they, they care about this stuff because they know it matters. It's not just a quarterly thing to them. It's their whole life, right? They make a wrong mistake. It's terrible for them. Very difficult to get a, a new footing in Japan. You don't get the second chances you get in America. In America, you know, like Meg Whitman took over, like, Hewlett Packard. She just, like, drove the place in the ground. Was it? No, no. Was it, was it uh, eBay? Anyway, Meg Whitman just messed things up. There, there's, been corp, there's been corporate leaders in America. And they just destroy companies. And it's just like, and then they just move on to the next fucking job. It's amazing to me. I would never hire those fucking guys. No way. I mean, in that sense, I'm so Japanese. And I don't, and I don't mean that in any other way. I just mean you got to care about this stuff if you care about your company. It's all part of the ecosystem. It's important. Someone's background, it, the, the complexity and the overall helicopter view of what they achieve in their life has to be taken into consideration. And... So, okay, so I learned all this stuff. I learned that some corporations reward people, some don't. I learned that some managers, you know, are holding things back. That's another reason why people leave, is that, you know, there might be one powerful person in their old company that holds things back. He's a, he's a, he's a black box in the sense that, not in the good sense that I talk about in Black Box episode, He's a black box in the sense of a three-incher. He doesn't let people know. He makes himself irreplaceable. Okay? So in this sense, he's the kind of guy who would program for your company, but he would never really let you know how he did it and, and what he learned. And so you're always kind of dependent on this guy. So even if his technology is a little out of date, you're like, eh, I got to keep that guy. We need that guy. No one else understands that technology. Well, guess fucking what? What I learned through this whole thing is some people, that's the way they operate. That's their whole plan. If you are like this, don't fucking do this. Okay? It's a very successful strategy. Don't get me wrong. You can do very well in your career by being this type of person. But this is not, I mean, at least for myself. Let me speak for myself. I would, I would want to kill myself. Like, not really. But I mean, that is just so lame. Like, you're capable of so much more. You can fight. You can run with the horses. 
You can fight with, you know what I mean? You can, you are a com- competitive, capable, intelligent man who doesn't need to be afraid of change, who doesn't need to insulate himself. You can walk around unarmed because you know that you can handle things. Now, I don't mean that literally because obviously some places in the world you would be armed. Okay, but just you can see what I'm saying here. You're not like protected by layers and layers and layers of things. You're, you're, you're capable of getting out there and taking risks. And you, you know that you can handle every situation, right? That is very fucking important. And the minute you start to essentially create your own secret realm in a company and control that technology, you become the problem for that company. Now, the problem, they might not be able to get rid of you, but make no mistake, you're the, you are the enemy of that company's progress, okay? And the way that you succeed, by and large, again, it's like the numbers, the people that have the mindset I'm talking about, where they're trying to create success for the company, for their boss, for the world, for technology, for themselves, those are the guys who win in the end. And they do. They fucking do. That mindset is way more powerful. This is what drives industries forward, right? One guy can change a corporation. You've seen it a million times. One guy, right? And it's that guy, and, he, and of course, he's going to be rewarded. These guys end up doing very, very well. And I would argue, okay, I would argue that even somebody who doesn't do well, like a famous example, like, like, like Nikola Tesla, you know, he got totally fucked over. I would argue that obviously Edison, these guys did very well being three inches. That's what I think they are. Thieves, scumbags, problems, three inches, whatever you want to call them. Guys like Edison ripping off patents from other guys. This is not, this is not, this is not what's going to give you success, okay? This is not what's going to give you what I'm talking about. The way, okay, you learn, essentially this comes to another point. You learn people, you learn technology, you learn the world, the complexity of it, to do good things. Okay? That's an important point. When you learn, when you get behind the scenes, okay, I'm talking about being elite. And in, in, in your, Nikola Tesla was elite. doesn't matter if he didn't succeed money-wise. That guy was fucking major elite. When you become like that, you, be, you have great power. He could have created weapons, and he could have been a saboteur, extraordinary. Nikola Tesla could have destroyed cities. He could have, he, he was, that guy was stone-cold genius. And he did not, right? Because that was not his destiny. That was not his, that was not where he wants to be. Dude, you learn people, you learn money, you learn things, you learn Technology, you learn to understand things. For the ultimate goal is to stand up straight. You just want to fucking understand the world. You don't want to be one of these guys hiding. You don't want to be one of these guys who gave up, the guys I started talking about this. These guys are all around you. Look at them today. Go around and think, is this guy still interested in the world? Does he know Anything about how things work. Does he care? Like, for example, I'm looking outside right now. I see a tree. There's a beautiful fucking tree here. Now, 
I was just wondering how the water gets from the ground up into the leaves. I used to know that. I forgot. I would like to go back and do a little photosynthesis, you know, do a do an hour of photosynthesis, start to understand why how things how things work inside of plants. It's some kind of suction, I think. But anyway, anyway, that's interesting to me. I'm going to take my time to learn that today or sometime soon, right? And and this is the way you do it. This is the way. Okay, here's the way. You got the you got the why and you got how things all things that are going on. How do you do it, right? It's it's and it's kind of like yesterday Nelson asked me, how do you know? There is no simple way. The way that you become the man I'm talking about is by a very funny way. So one day, okay, here's an example. Here's one kind of mindset. Why do I not watch a lot of TV? Is it because of the mainstream media? Is it because of TV channels? Is it because of advertising? Is it because, no, no, I, I don't have no resentment against those things. There's good TV out there, I'm sure. It's not that. It's that I'm busy. I have things, like there's a lot of things I don't know. You know, I, I have a, like, I'm on a mission, right? I'm on a mission to be the man. I'm, what I'm talking about today is a very core fundamental concept for me. And because of that, I am curious about potato chip bags, right? I am curious about trees. I'm curious. I'm very curious about particle physics. I'm, I'm, I'm curious about modular nuclear technology, uh, sodium reactors. I'm, I'm curious about biotechnology and CRISPR technology and bioweapons. I'm very interested in military technology. Uh, I'm interested in warfare. I'm very interested in warfare. It's quite interesting, actually. It's one of the most out-of-the-box, different ways of thinking because it's to destroy things, right? That's what, you know, it's a very interesting, it requires a complete different mindset. And that different mindset, it's not that you're going to do these things. I'm not going to go, I'm not going to, you know, work in some area where photosynthesis, I'm not going to work at the, D, at the Department of Defense. But by understanding, exposing myself to understanding these different industries, I become a man that can walk into various discussions with the, like walk through the world with ease, okay? And join a discussion or listen to a discussion that's very complex, talking about acting or colors. I'm very interested in colors, color matching and design. You know, I know my season of colors. My season is the summer season, right? That's a big deal. If you know your season, You'll look 10 times better, spend less money on clothes. You can shop at the thrift store and look better than people that buy, you know, $300 jackets. Trust me. Your season is super important to figure out. I'm interested in colors. I'm interested in, I'm interested in uh, fashion in the sense that fashion is tied to technology. High heels came out when those heels could be strong enough and light enough that girls, you know, technology is a big part of fashion. As technology changes, you know, as we get out with uh, new new materials, you'll see fashion totally changes. It's it's all dependent on the material. When silk, you know, hit the West, silk was used for all kinds of stuff. And now they're talking about using silk, silk and all kinds of stuff. Milk, like silk is like really hot. I'm in, I'm interested in silk. Yeah, and different 
There's so many things, and it's so endless, okay? And each one enlarges my life, okay? Talking to a new person, learning a new thing. I don't need to be an expert on it. I just want to kind of have, I kind of want to have an understanding of how, how does it work? And now that I know there's three layers of a potato chip bag, right? And that they're very complex, right? They're sophisticated. I will never look at packaging the same. I'm going to look for the rest of my life. When I see a new package, I'm going to cut it with a knife. I'll look at it. I'll be thinking about it. You know what I mean? Like, you know, one of my clients was Tetra Pak which Tetra Pak makes uh, all like 99%, some crazy number back then. Uh, it's a Swedish company of milk containers in the world. And I learned a lot about packaging through Tetra Pak. And I was like blown away. Like companies like, there's a zipper company that sells like almost all zippers in the world are a Japanese company. Almost all milk packaging is a Swedish company. And they were my clients. So I got I got, I got to see that it's another one of those things around me, like, oh my gosh. It's almost like the movie where they, they realize it's all around them, you know? And I was like, a Swedish company does all the milk containers? That's incredible. Like, Sweden's like a tiny country. And no one even knows this. Like, they have the patents, you know, Tetra Pak. And that, that taught me something. And that made me interested. So, my interest is not just, I'm not like a guy who is trying to show off. Okay, so a lot of people, they're interested in technology. They want to show you what they know. So they're always going to be talking about some cutting-edge technology. So they're going to talk about time travel or whatever the fuck it is. It's always going to be something that, that makes them look smart. Someone like Deepak Chopra, which I, who I think is basically an idiot, he's going to use quantum physics and try to make it look like he's some kind of quantum scientist, which he isn't. And that isn't an attempt to look smart and to co-op new technologies in order to, to me, an evil aim, right? Okay, it's to mislead. It's to sell things that I don't think should be sold. There, there's no value, right? So, again, and this goes back to my other concept, which is do good with what you learn, right? I'm not saying he's a terrible guy. A lot of people are like Deepak Chopra. You might be like Deepak Chopra. You may listen to this and say, oh, man, I have been doing a lot of these things. You know, I'm not saying like this is some kind of what I'm saying is that the, the when you become the man behind the curtain, OK, who knows a lot. You you have great opportunity, but you also have great opportunity to deceive because now you know how people operate. You know what motivates people. You know how people think, you know what they don't know. Right. And how they can be tricked. And how they can be manipulated, right? That's, that's, this is why there's so many scams in crypto. It's not because of crypto. It's because it's a new technology that people don't understand. So these old snake, sale, snake oil salesmen can come along and then they can say, oh, we're this crypto that and, you know, we're kind of like this and we do this. And then people are like, I don't understand. Okay, boom. So what I'm talking about today will make you a much better investor. Definitely. Most definitely. It will help your career. It will help you as an investor. But I, I, I really want to separate. I want to kind of end it on this. Is you're not doing it for any of those reasons. You might get those things. You might. This might be a big. Over your lifetime. This might be something where you really feel like. I really gained from this mindset. But. I think at the end of the day. 
every time that you sit down and read some difficult to read article in a medical journal because you're not happy with the mainstream media version, you know, for example, I might find a mainstream media version of an article about some new thing and I'll read it and then I'll look for the, down at the links below for the, 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 the uh, research sources and I'll read those, right? Every time I do that, every time I take time out of my schedule to, I might only have an hour, I might only have five minutes, whatever. I just take a little bit of time and grind it out in this new thing that is very difficult to read. Medical journals are not easy to read. Sophisticated journals are, you know, research, they're, they're, they're difficult to read by definition. That's why people don't read them. But the more you do it, you make it a lot easier, right? I will do that on a daily basis, okay? And I will listen to a, I was listening to a Buddhism. I was in Alan Watts, one of my favorite, I, I like Alan Watts a lot. Uh, kind of when I want to relax, I'll listen to a little Alan Watts. Um, but he, 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 he's not perfect. Okay, the guy's not perfect. Don't get me wrong. But he's very, he's very good. I like him. Man. Like, he passed away a long time ago. He's like an internet star who never knew the internet. Because his, 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 his things were recorded before he died. And so everything you hear was not meant to be on the internet. That's what's amazing about the guy. But they're perfect for the internet. Ellen Watts, yeah. Um, but through these things, through mastery and understanding of life, you will start to, and through this grinding out through journals, they, okay, if you're English, you're, you're, your native language is not English, reading a medical journal is going to be really hard for you. But I still recommend doing it. Even if you read the whole journal and you don't understand what I said, just do it anyway. This is the mindset. The grinding Hopefully it's not that bad, but the grinding mindset where you're willing to get into the details, don't put off learning until an easier time. Start today. Start with the technology that you bump into in your daily life where you're like, I wonder how that works. And then you, when you meet somebody you know, who knows something or you see an article, you know, just, just kind of say, hey, look, you know, this is the way I kind of do it. I just kind of go, yeah, I'm an idiot. I don't know anything, but... And I'm never going to use this tip because my, 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 my people who are around me in my life, they used to often say to me, like, why are you doing that? It's a waste of time. Just focus on something. Just focus on one thing. You know, just don't, don't, don't keep learning all these things, you know. And I was like, I don't know why, but I, I'm not happy with that. And the thing is, the more broad you get, the better you get at doing specific things. Because you have now a broader understanding of the world. And you understand factors that affected other in- industries that could affect your industry. And that more deep understanding of, of thing of different technologies allows you to understand one technology even better. So I don't agree that you're always better off specializing, specializing, specializing. Cause because I will just read the most random things. I mean really I if you know me, I listen to the most random shit. I will watch I'll watch a video in Chinese about some kind of like efficiency of some drug or something. And I'll just be like, and it, a lot of it will be over my head, right? But I'll watch it anyway. And when I get done, 
I'll watch another one. Because now that guy pops up as a suggested video, right? So I'll watch another one. There's a Chinese professor I watch a lot. And I like him. His voice is clear. His Mandarin is very standard. It's easy for me to understand. Uh, or easier. He talks on mathematical concepts that are even very difficult for me in English, right? But still, I, I go and grind it out in these things. And by this kind of like not being, letting myself be overwhelmed, just kind of like, hey, I'm going to learn this one crazy thing. I don't know how I'm going to use it, but I'm going to just, I'm going to learn it. You know, how does this, how do people talk in Chinese about uh, particle physics or about mathematical, you know, some mathematical concept, right? And then I just kind of say, okay, I've, you know, I wait until I'm kind of curious. I guess the how would be the basic mindset, but you, you can't just push yourself to study like this. You need to wait until there's a moment where there's an opportunity. So for me, that's when I'm curious. So that goes back to the curiosity episode, the secret to your success. It's like, all of a sudden, I'm just kind of curious, you know. Like, I've always been kind of curious about how Apple, I'm looking at an Apple iPhone charger here, how they control, like, the, the DRM system, how they control so that it's difficult to make an Apple charger. Now it's easier now, but that's not Apple, right? What kind of wires are in there, you know? Like, I don't like these cables because I like universal, standardized, USB type of, that's my mindset, that more... That mindset is, to me, more successful. But anyway, this is the more controlling mindset. And that aside, I'm quite interested in how do they manage technologically to do that, you know? you know. And I also wonder, like, why do they stick with the lightning connector so long? Trust me, there's a fucking reason. Companies like that, a lot of smart people there. They could have gone to USB-C. They could have done... There's a reason. And I, I, I just... I just learn one unrelated difficult thing whenever I'm curious, right? So if anybody knows how an Apple lightning connector works or why it is the way it is, what they're trying to do with it, you know, what they're avoiding, you know, why they've stuck with it, any of that kind of stuff, I'd love to hear it if you got it in the comments. If you understand that market, if you're in that, that industry or just happen to happen to know how they do it. It's probably something simple, right? That's the other thing. It's not always complex. Don't, don't, don't think it's always... Sometimes it's just like, I get it. So they're doing that. So they're screwing over their users on speed because they don't want them that. And that allows them to make money, which can help them to help their consumers. You know, it's complex, right? It's complex. That's the thing. When you get into it, it's not black and white. The reason why a corporation would protect their profits... Is not all evil, okay? <laughs> One of the reasons why people protect their profits is so they can be in business to support your iPhone in the future. There's, there's, they're not all evil. <laughs> it's not, it's not all black and white. It's not all simple, you know. Sometimes it's like you have to hold your judgment. Got to hold your judgment because there's, there's another level. There's a, there's a, there's another curtain to go behind. There's another mountain to climb on, you know. And so even when I learn things as I go along, I never think I'm on the tallest mountain because I'm like, no way. There's definitely other mountains once I get to the peak of this one. Endless other mountains, you know. So it's like, okay, I'll just trudge up this one. Fuck it, you know. I'll just learn this little thing. And then 
after I read, okay, here's a, here's a, here's a trick. Here's a how. What I'll do is I'll read a new thing, okay? About some new technology, whatever. Then I'll, I have certain friends, like, they like to brainstorm ideas. Find friends that like to brainstorm ideas. Find friends that are like I'm talking about. You're going to meet them at the Ronin Summits, okay? By the way. And then that's a great way to meet this type of guy. But, and then just call them and bounce ideas off them and just say, I got this, you know, it's, I don't know, it's kind of weird, but I'm very interested in this, you know, the, 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 this, this forever chemical they use in waterproofing. Like, how bad is it in the body? And then, like, I wonder, why is it in almost every product now? You know, like, considering how not good it is for people, like, there's a reason, right? There's not, it's not just evil corporations. Like, how does that, you know, and then, and then you, you read about it and you're like, I, I know a little bit about this. And then, and then you find somebody and they're like, they look up and they're kind of like you. They're kind of curious. A couple of days later, they might come back to you and say, oh, I heard that, you know, this one company took over the other company, which might be a reason why that technology went out or it might be a reason why uh, those two things merged or why they squashed this research report or, or whatever it is. You just have other friends that you can, number one, explain what you think you learned. That's the, that's the most important part of having brainstorming friends. You need somebody that you can kind of say, let me try to explain this thing I just read. Okay, I just read about, you know, forever chemicals, right? I think they're called PPOEs OAs or something. I don't know. And then, and PPOSs, I don't know, something like that. And then you say, I read about these things and they seem like they're in a lot of things. They seem like they're pretty bad for you. They're in like cleaners, they're in like, they're in like waterproofing things on my shoes. They're in a, they're in like foods or in milk. You know, they're in containers inside. Like, how dangerous are these? You know, I wonder how dangerous. This is one thing that I'm always interested in, is how dangerous are things for you for real? Because what happens is you have people like basically two types of people. You have the people that hide away from life and don't know anything and are scared of everything. And then you have people who they just do everything. They don't care. They're just like, I don't care. Everything's fine. I'm going to die when I'm going to die, right? Both cop-outs, right? Fuck both those things. I want to be, my my personality, okay, you're going to have a basic personality. My basic personality is towards the, I don't give a fuck side, if you didn't realize. But I care. I I, I realize the value in this other type of person, you know? I really, I, I really, as I've matured, I really appreciate those type of thinking. And I appreciate what I've learned about how to control my emotions from guys like Wyatt Woodsmell, and I realized that as you study something, you can become quite afraid of something, right? How things are going to turn out, you know, and, and you have to learn to, there's another level, but you have to learn how to manage your own emotions because you might realize that, you know, something pretty dire is going to happen. And then you have to go to another level and say, am I going to keep learning while I'm feeling terrible? Or am I going to say, okay, now here's something else to learn. I heard from Ronan there's a, actually a way, which I've never heard, to actually change fears and control the way I think. I thought it was just like natural. You just always, everything's like basic. Some guy, something happens and you feel afraid. And there's no nothing you can do about it. But actually there are ways that you can, it's very complex. But maturely, in not every instance, it's not perfect. 
But there are definitely ways that you can control how you feel in a good way, in a good way. So you don't allow yourself, your emotions to run amok at the same time is you can be an incredibly sensitive person. You can be a designer. You can be a, uh, like I said, a color specialist. Somebody who's into the most sophisticated levels of taste and texture of food. Uh, in something that you would consider a quite hairy, fairy type of business, right? You can be totally into that. At the same time, you have a maturity and you have understanding, right? So I would say things you're curious about, have friends to talk to. And then the other things I focus on is I focus on things that matter to me. Not all the time, but some things like my health, I consider that like one of those things. Like health is one of those things that I'm always going to be interested in. And there's a lot of bullshit out there. So it will take your entire lifetime to become truly knowledgeable about health. But I think that's a worthwhile endeavor because if you want to live, it's a very good fucking thing, right? So these are the the hows. The hows is not push yourself, right? Go back and listen to that last part and you will see the hows, right? The hows come bubbling up inside of you or things that you bump into that you're just a little curious about. Or you read an article and you're like, that's interesting, but that's CNN. I want to know more. And then you search or you look at the research link and then you go back to things that are not in any way slanted. They're just straight up science. And then you can form your own opinion about that technology, that, that, that trajectory, that, the dangers of that. And, and then also you want to, I would say for myself, like wisely choose a few areas that are, it's not that you focus on this, but it's that these kind of get a special rung in the ladder. Things that are really matter like health. Health should be up there. Don't, don't be lazy on health. I would really say like, keep learning your whole life. I'm not perfect. Nothing I do is perfect. Everything is a rung in the ladder to the top of totally understanding and mastering my health. Okay. And living as well and as long and as rich a life as I possibly can. I see that as more valuable than knowledge because that is the machine, that is the animal that will be there to do the other things. Without that, I can know all I want, but if I, you know what I mean? Once I start to lose it, then, then that, that, uh, that ability is gone. Just because I'm not there, I'm not physically able, right? You know, because as you become less physically able, your blood doesn't move as well. It's not as clean. You can't think as well. So it affects all these other things too, right? So that might be something that you are interested in. To really know health is very frustrating. It is so difficult because there's so much bullshit out there. And there's so much misunderstanding. And, and, and I don't want to say that's the big obstacle. The big obstacle is that it's very complex and your body is incredibly complex. Things like placebos work for a reason. If you believe placebos is going to work, statistically, they work. Okay, not, not theoretically, not the secret, but like real life, give people placebos and say, hey, this reduces pain and people will feel better. 
you know, people will get better. They, they had the healing ability and that placeable was all it took for them to tap into that healing ability their body had, right? Instead of worrying and releasing all these other chemicals and then maybe not taking the risks and moving forward like they would have if they were taking a placebo and feeling good about things, right? So health is so complex and you have to like constantly reevaluate, constantly keep learning and constantly put your ego aside, you know? And so I think there, there are certain areas that, you know, maybe your profession, that area is one of those other ones, you know, and the other one might be health. I, I don't know what else, you know, would be for me, you know, like learning new languages to me opens up new areas of my mind. So think of it as a cup. There's like a cup on the on your shelf, right? But behind that cup is another cup. And that cup holds the exact same thing as this cup, except for its different name. And behind that cup is another cup. It holds the same stuff as the first two cups, but it's a different name. And it goes on for thousands of cups. And each language is a different word for that cup, right? And each cup on the shelf, instead of having one word for that cup, you not only have different words for that cup, but you have different cultural concepts tied to that cup, tied to that liquid, whatever, that concept that you've, you know, almost like sucked in like a sponge in your body and understanding of how cultures look at that thing, right? And how you start to realize how different it is. Even though the the word is, you know, this is this and that language and that's that, but it ain't the same thing. It ain't the same thing often. And that's what's really surprising about languages. So for me, I would say, yeah, I'll end on this. The most complex things, I think, achieve the most success or results in your brain. Now I'm talking about the neural connections. Each time that you do something difficult, your brain creates a new neural connection. And this is why old guys can solve problems quickly because they've got the neural connection. So they've already thought about this their car a million times. So they know it's probably not that, it's probably not that, it's probably this, and they can more quickly get to the source of it. A young guy can think a lot more clear, but he doesn't have the, the connections in his mind. He doesn't, he hasn't experienced them. So for him, he has to go through all the process. Could be this, could be that, could be this, could be that. Uh, now, obviously Google can change that, but that's the difference between a young mind and old mind. So as you get older, you're gonna, as you, as you do the hard work, of thinking, of learning, of being curious, of being the man you want to be, your brain is physically changing, okay? You will become a better problem solver and smarter and more confident. I'm telling you right fucking now, this is like basic brain. And the less you do, it's the, well, the the Alzheimer's is, is one of the, obviously they don't know the real cause of it, but a lot of theories point to people that are not using their brain. They're not learning. They're not doing everything that I talk about in that episode. And they are choosing that other path. And now whether the final research tells me that Alzheimer's is caused by the lack of the use of the brain, essentially, right? And the lack of education, of endless constant, not giving up on life. Whether this is true or not, it's a great analogy because I will, yeah, absolutely end on this, is that 
as much as the success that I talked about and the things are positive, you don't have a fucking choice, my man, because the other choice is going in the direction of an Alzheimer's type future. Okay? Alzheimer's type. Okay? I'm not saying where that connection will be made. I think it will. Let's, I've read the, read the research. I'm predicting here, just like predicted many things. But it might not, but it doesn't matter. Because that is the perfect example for what happens to you. When you're young and you don't learn, it's easy. No problem. You're just like everybody else. Another 10 years, another 20 years, another 30 years, and you become a joke. You become a joke. A man who's totally out of touch. A man who does not understand the world. A man who cannot answer basic questions from children. Why, Daddy? Why does that work like that? Why does it go up like that? He's so heavy. How can he do that? What, you know, that bird, why does he do that? You know, how does, how do things fly? Why is the airplane, how come I can't fly? Why, 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 why? Those questions. You become a man who can't even answer questions from children. And then, and then, then you can go down the other road. And this is what most guys do. Is when they really, okay, when they make bad decisions and they create themselves a bad life, okay, essentially. The three inch life, right? Once they choose that, then at some point they understand they didn't choose the better route. Okay? And then they're embarrassed because they could have chosen, their brother might have chosen the better route. Their friend might have chosen. And they start to get pretty sensitive about it. In the beginning, they're not. But once it gets to the point where they can never catch up, then they become, then that's when evil can kind of come in. So for example, a kid asks a question and he wants to hold other people down. He's like, you ask too many questions or nobody knows that or go look it up or, you know, go do your homework or, you know, he starts to ridicule and limit others because of his own insecurity and weaknesses based on the choices he's made and his own lack of, you know, lack of the good things that he should have. And he sees that little kid, that little kid who's, who's a sponge, who's positive, who, who could easily overpass him, surpass him in, in years, you know. Kids, they grow so fast. A kid that's on the right trajectory and he has the right, you know, people supporting him, they can just go to the top so fast now. You know, 27 years old, making 150,000, 200,000, you know, just cutting edge. It's amazing what happens, especially with technology. You, you take the right attitude young and you fucking can kick ass. And, 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 and these old guys, they know it. They know that you might end up being a fucking, you know, very powerful guy. And they don't like it. And this, once they've sold their soul, right, they're going to be like, don't ask that. It doesn't matter. How much cock and bar? You know, you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? So I would say that as much as this is a very complex episode, there is a black and white episode. There is a black and white side to it in the sense that there is a road. I'm in New Jersey. There is a direction I can take to drive to New York. There is a direction I can take to drive to Boston, right? 
and there's a direction I can take to go to Florida. If you take the wrong road, right, it's like there's no fucking hope. You know, like there's that old saying, if you took the wrong road and you realize it, I don't remember the exact words, but and no matter how long you've gone on that road, turn around. <laughs> no matter how long you walked on the wrong road, you're trying to get to Boston, but you're walking to Florida. Like no matter how long you've walked on that road, have the confidence, have the guts, have the balls to say, I have walked the wrong road for so many years. And so many of my friends took the right road. And I did this dumb and that dumb. And I took the wrong road. But you know what? I'm going to turn around right here. I'm going to fucking turn around. And even though I know it's just as long as this road was, just to get back to the starting point, to the road to Boston, I'm going that way. I'm fucking going that way. And I will tell you, the wind will be at your back. <laughs>